Yeah, we in the building. Just hang out. We're going to punch the button at about 4 o'clock, okay? 3.51 right now. Nine minutes, we're going to blast off. We got a big show today. Big show. I feel like Ed Sullivan. We got a really big show. It's a really big show. You got to be old enough to know about that. A lot of my brothers are dead and gone. But they've been hanging on the block a little too long. What can I say? I hope they live to see a brighter day. And the ones that are doing fine. God bless you because you're doing fine. At the end of the day, don't forget about me. As days turn to weeks and weeks turn to days. Oh, I feel for my brother. And this time passes by. I see you not satisfied. Oh, I feel for my brother. Feel for my brother. The street life used to be on. Straight up hustling to the break of dawn. Taught me how to do wrong right. Everything inside. But somehow things started to change. Try to get a straight up out of the game. You couldn't see what I saw. The empire was starting to fall. And everything that I said never seemed to get into your head. I tried to do, do the right thing. Living my life with the words that I sing. Now tell me, I wanted to know what happened to my best friend. As days turn to weeks and weeks turn to years, I feel for my brother. Feel for my brother. And as time passes by, I see you're not satisfied.
Punch the button in about five minutes, y'all. Five minutes to four. We on time, man. Wow, all right. God bless you, because you're doing fine. At the end of the day, don't forget about me. As days turn to weeks, and weeks turn to years, oh, I feel for my brother. And as time passes by, I see not satisfied.
So we about to blast off. Okay. Now tell me, I wanted to know what happened to my best friend. As days turn to weeks and weeks turn to years, I feel for my brother. Okay, let's get it started. <laughs> Word up. Okay. Woo. Oh, hold on. That was a quick switch on me right there. You know what I'm saying? That's having a good time. We want to welcome you once again. It is the One Nitra Show that we do every Sunday. Every Sunday we do this thing at 4 o'clock. You know, some Sundays we're a little late, but you know what? We start at 4 o'clock today. We had some travel issues. If you're taking the R train, big shout out to you. You might want to start out a little bit earlier if you're rocking the R train. There's a lot of problems on the R train. I heard the N train's running funky too. So make sure if you have to go to work and you're listening, add some extra time to your day. All right, so it's going down. Sunny day in New York City. Is it still sunny? I've been in the basement for a hot minute. It's still sunny. Yes, sir. Still sunny out there. Nice, beautiful, yeah. beautiful day. Beautiful, beautiful day. So it's a sunny day in New York clothes City. Off. We got yeah. clothes off. Oh, we had about 55 degrees. Where we at? Where we at? Yeah, let's say, let's say. 50, 61. Yeah. There you go. Why not? 61. Really? 61 degrees. Yeah, 61 degrees in New York City, and we're a week away from spring, y'all. One yeah. night, your right. weather. <laughs> <laughs> we are inventive, for real. Yeah, let me tell you. Like no other, right? <laughs> like no other, baby. Come on! Do what we do. Do what we do. All right, so I'm giving y'all a chance to get into your chat rooms and everything. You know, same program. You know how we do. Um, and I'm gonna hit the button. I'm gonna hit the button. I'm gonna hit the button. One, two, one, two, three, and. Who's that over here? It's me. You know I'm deaf. All right, what's up? Yeah, we're so welcome to the One Night Show, and we're here again. It's another week. We got a special guest, and I know you can see on the screen. I'm gonna say, I'm just gonna say, hi, Crystal. Hi. How's everybody doing? Thank you for having me. We are yes. doing good, and I just wanted to acknowledge you that you was on the screen, and we'll get to you in a minute, okay? Not a problem. I'll yeah, be here. Because you know, this show is all about you once we get involved in the show. So <laughs> you're gonna talk about everything. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's been a big week. You know, my week has been, you know, it's been it's been a week. You know, we yes, went sir. we went and got a printer. So that yeah. was important. Went and got a printer. Um yeah. that hot ninety-seven thing is transitioning very nicely with That's the great. Justice Clapback and uh, Reverend John right. Foy, you know, Kirsten John Foy. And we just finished the uh, conversation, which is a hip hop boulevard, and we had legendary Sal Albatello, you know, on talking about stuff. So talking about the history of fever records and everything. So mm. it was really good, you know what I'm saying? And that was kind of what 
my week is um, today we're going to have a, a guest engineer. Mm. Right, and our guest engineer is Mike Jones. Mike Jones, Mike Jones, Mike Jones right? Yeah, he's done it before a little bit. A little yeah, bit, right? So he knows, he knows he's how to get He's slipping in. He's slipping in. So he's gonna slip in. You know what I'm saying? So, Sandra, how was your week? Man, 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 my week was busy and blessed. Um, I had surgery on my hand on Monday. Thankfully, wow. all is well. Um, I was still out um, finishing up. The, uh, I'm not hearing. No, it's just me. It's I'm a, just, okay. I was okay. trying to figure out where that noise okay. came from. That's all right. Oh, continue. Uh -huh, yeah. Okay. So, really? Okay, because I'm not. I'm hearing myself, but I'm not. So it's a little lower. So, but that, you got that noise down? I think so. Uh, it's still a little low. But can y'all hear me? Good. Okay. okay. All right. So it's not as palpable than you getting that little. Yeah. So you're figuring that out. Okay. So yeah. So as I said, I had surgery on Monday. Um, just still checking on people. I'm still out in the street right after surgery you know um getting my medication and everything and checking on people making sure they good dealing with the pain uh did mass distribution with my council member ben kalos on uh thursday with his team uh so then you know the week zooms in so saturday i met with a few faith-based leaders that are coming alongside the holmes isaacs coalition to see that we um you know helping us with food distribution right, and stuff right. like that so we had a very a nice planning meeting. It was like two hours at Delizia restaurant on the Upper East Side. And I'm um, also, I uh, was on the, you know, Carolyn Maloney's doing these uh, 12 uh, congressional district caucus with the mayoral candidates. So uh, they, she called me personally yesterday. That's we had great. a nice little talk. I uh, wanted to make sure I was on. She liked the questions I asked the candidates last time. She wanted to make sure I was back on to yeah. press them on public housing. So uh, yesterday we were on with uh, Maya Wiley, which okay. was good. And, um, you know, I questioned okay. about how she's going to, you know, help maintain and keep our homes without privatization. And uh, she pledged to put uh, $2 billion into NYCHA. I, I heard that. Uh, mm -hmm. And she also stated there's funds that were available and that can be shifted to NYCHA. And, you know, she spoke about Lydia Velasquez's bill, right, right. which she totally supports. So that was good. Uh, today, we were with uh, Catherine Garcia, okay. which was very interesting. Um, I made it clear that most of the residents and our allies are against privatization, uh, which includes whoever doesn't know, Enfield, Rad, Pack, Blueprint, and any other privatization schemes, right? Yep. Yep. So I questioned her, and it, my question was basically, are you committed to listening, you know, to listen to the residents and our allies to keep public housing public without privatization. And she flat out says she supports the blueprint, which people know. Right. Uh, she spoke about that. And then when I queried her about the eviction rates in Ocean Bay, she tried to, you know, say, well, oh, but there, the evictions are normal. And she actually cited somebody that was dealing drugs in an apartment. And that's what, that was her best part this about is Maya. This is Maya. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm into today okay. with okay. Catherine oh, Garcia. Okay. Right. And yeah. I was like, that was just so, you know, kind of weak, just to, that was your, your site, you know, to right. us to tell, tell the, the forum that that's why one person, you're citing one person. What about the other right. multitudes of people? She Absolutely. couldn't even talk about that, but she's a well-oiled machine and eh, not, but anyway, right. uh, today is uh, day 293 straight uh, since June 2nd, Upper East Side for Black Lives Matter. Uh, next Sunday will be our 300th day. Our guest speaker will be no other than the Reverend uh, Gregory Seal Livingston. Wow, okay. um, and 
and with him, he usually is our guest speaker on Saturdays, but you know, I'm one of the organizers. I had a conversation with him. I said, would you mind doing the 300th day? And he was basically like, I'm honored. So we're going to give him Saturday off and move him to Sunday. Thank goodness he doesn't have to um, preach. So on tomorrow, I'm preparing for a social justice committee meeting, uh, which I'm one of the co-chairs on the community board, and we will be discussing police reform input from the community. That's our first item of agenda. So that's really exciting. And on Tuesday, (laughs) I I will be receiving uh, with other great women, uh, the Woman of Distinction Award presented by Assemblywoman uh, Rebecca Seawright. Wow, you can give yeah, me yeah. some. You, you, you can you, give you, me you, some you, man you, on the you, board. You to <laughs> Something, yeah, that's good. And then Wednesday, can you put up the flyer? And then, then we'll transition into Stan, but I'm just going to talk and then Stan will talk about it a little bit. Can Absolutely. you pull up the flyer? But anyway, on Wednesday, great organizations and organizers and allies uh, that are consistently doing the fight to keep public housing public, Dan and myself are included amongst these this group of people. Uh, we are just, you know, trying to make sure we can keep public housing uh, public and fighting the good fight. And, um, you know, you have people that are, are going to be there that are, of course, with the Green New Deal, working Absolutely. with legislation yeah. um, and supporting other bills um, to help generate the funding. So I'm just thankful. I thank God for, you know, these great things and assignments. And uh, that's how this Lady Week was. Go ahead, Stan. Wow, that was really busy. That was a lot, a lot going on. Lot with going with on. surgery, right? Right, right. Yeah, I just want to say a big shout out to all the organizations that are coming together yes. on Tuesday uh, for this rally. Um, I was actually out in Queensbridge mm-hmm. on Saturday, putting up flyers in Korean, uh, Chinese, and English, you know, all throughout the development. So we are expecting a nice crowd to come out. And it's great when the coalitions can work together. It's not, it's not always Perfect. easy. Yeah. Um, it's hard, but this is mm-hmm. how we build a citywide movement right. to really uh, build power. It's going to take all of us working together. There's not one organization that's going to be able to do this fight by itself. You know, so all of us need to work together yeah. and, and pull together. That's what it's about. Uh, also, uh, today I did my first campaign event. You know, I was actually back out in Queensbridge again. Nice. Uh, big shout out to PSL, the Party for Socialist Liberation, okay. uh, who's back in my campaign. So right. out, out in Queensbridge, no, no a lot to of the folks and um, letting people know what my campaign's all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a couple of signatures um, for volunteers. Mm. You know, got some flyers, handing out some flyers. <laughs> okay, you know, so, go stand. You know, we in full campaign mode. I'm uh-huh. going to be um, ha- actually hitting Ravenswood and, and um, Astoria houses and the, and the developments that I'm familiar with and known in um, and put the flyers up and get the flyers in stores and really get the word out about this campaign. So awesome. I'm really excited about that. And I'll be here Tuesday. This is this is really awesome. big, you know, to really let folks know that we're not going to take it. Uh, so everybody should come join us, whether you live in NYCHA or not. Mm-hmm. There's a fight for affordable housing. There's a fight for just pure justice. And so come and join us. Come Thanks. and fight. We need everybody there supporting this cause. So we can stop these privatization schemes and scams. Thank you. You know that, uh, that Greg Russ continues to come out with. You know, so <laughs> yeah. and also support my campaign, StandForQueens.nyc. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, independent campaign. Yeah. I believe the Democrats have sold us out. I believe Republicans have sold us out. You know, so we need to go on our own, develop our own, and we need to vote mm-hmm. in local elections. You know, yeah. we just can't show up for the um, general stuff and vote right. for Biden or Trump or this one or that one. Most of the issues in your life are affected by your local mm-hmm. politicians. So right. get involved in my campaign and other campaigns. Support us independent mm-hmm. candidates and, and us grassroots candidates, you right. know, those who are building it from the ground up. So yeah. donate, and, donate, donate, yeah. and support, support, and let's build something different. That, and, that was my week. You were awesome. And most, uh, there's a big percentage of uh, independents 
in the country, right. and people are sleeping on that. And but, and, and yeah. it's a big. Um, I just lost saw the day. It's a big um, percentage of independents and queens. Yeah, you know? so, yeah it's huge. Yeah, yeah. So people are people gonna, are wavering away from the the general establishment. Right, we're gonna shock the world. Let's hear from our because the camera's still over there. Let's hear from our intern. Say hello to Hi. the people and introduce yourself again. Hi, my name is Nakama Freer, mm-hmm. and uh, I go to Queens College. My last semester. Okay. Graduating. Uh, Beautiful. In June. And uh, yeah, I like to, I'm liking this interning here at uh, One Night Show. Awesome. We, we love having you. Let's go to Money Mike. Big Mike. What's going on? <laughs> Money Mike, how was your week? My week was, well, it was mixing. I also had a great time, but Stan did, did a few flyers over in Ravensburg, handed out some flyers for um Justice for All and let them know that they're having a meeting on Monday at 6.30. So if anybody else want to join that meeting, they could join that meeting. Y'all can hit up Stan, find a little Zoom link, and he would send it right to y'all. We was going through a few buildings, well, actually one building, and it was, when I say it was messy, it was filthy. I mean, the staircase was so filthy that, I mean, every stair that we went down was filthy. During during the pandemic, right? Right. Nobody's cleaning it. (laughs) If I would have ran down those stairs, or even went a little bit faster, I would have fell and bust my behind, bust my head open. That's how ridiculous the staircase was. Um, The elevator was messy as well, but people, apartments, they had a lot of complaints. People had paint falling off their walls. I mean, it was ridiculous. They had... Pipes busting, and they had um, some people had a lot of bugs. Like you know, they were saying they had bad bugs, or they had you know, bunch oh, of wow. rodents, wow. or roaches. And maintenance always tell them, oh, every time they come, they be like, oh, you know, call the number, call the number, and you can make another ticket. And they don't fix it when they did to fix something else. Mm-hmm. When I was a maintenance worker, I had the if it was a problem that they had, and I was doing it, and I was there for some other reason, I will fix the problem. I'm a maintenance worker. That's my exactly. job. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, call the number and make another ticket. Right. Make another ticket. I'm here. If you have a pipe broken and then you have, like, a door that needs to be fixed, or if you have a door, if I'm going for a door and you have a little pipe that needs to be fixed, or a snake, I would do that right there. I would handle the job. Absolutely. I'm right. not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, make another ticket. And the next one, as you know, seven weeks later, you know, right. you still haven't gotten nothing done. Okay. I mean, me and Stan went to the manager office yes. with a young lady, and she put 10 tickets in. Wow. Yeah, and had the tickets, had, had had her information. She came prepared, and then they wouldn't even let her speak to the manager. Every time she even called to speak to the manager, they kept coming up with some sort of excuse or hanging up on her. They wouldn't give her the manager, and then when she came there with us to speak to the manager, they still gave her a hard time. Wow, I don't understand. And I find it infuriating. Um, this is Megan Patrick, um, who is a head of this so-called pilot program in Ravenswood, Queensbridge, and Astoria houses. Um, I'm again going to say that program is a failure, complete failure. She goes down there and gets treated with disrespect. And they pretty much said they won't even talk to me either. They can't talk to me. They won't speak to us. And um, NYCHA residents go through this all the time. So I just want to let you guys know, you can actually, you can film or um, record, record your encounters down in the management office. Though you can't film, but you can record. We need to begin recording what actually happens oh, yeah. when folks go down there, the, the mm. blatant disrespect and the brush off. Right. Yeah, you know, we'll call you. That's what that's all they told. After waiting for maybe wow. about an hour, somebody comes out and says, well, we'll just give you a call. And mm-hmm. I'm still waiting. She's still waiting for that call. Wow. You know, so these these kind of right. things need to be stopped and spoken on. And, and NYCHA residents, don't don't stop going down there. You know, do not be deterred, you know, from those situations. We got to wow. fight back. 
Well, now we're going to uh, bring on our guest. So we basically do our week and then the rest of the show is all about our guests. So today we have the fabulous, uh, fiery <laughs> Crystal Hudson. And um, she's going to talk and tell you about herself. But um, I never met Crystal, okay. but I did find her on social media. I'm a person that I look at people and I look at their work. And when I find talent, I used to do, you know, with gospel explosions with my church, I would go to different um, venues and, and scout people. So basically, I, you know, I seen what she was doing on social media, you know, looked at her video and everything. Okay. I was like, wow, she's phenomenal. And I, you know, DM'd her and asked her, could she come on the show? So we made it happen. So Crystal, welcome. Welcome. welcome Give welcome. us some. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Tell us about yourself, your campaign, yes. running and all of that. Yeah. Yes. And, and thank you for reaching out. I know you just mentioned, you know, we connected via social um, I'm really appreciative of that. And, and I thank you for, you know, giving me the opportunity. Um, I'm Crystal Hudson. I'm running for city council in Brooklyn in the 35th district, which includes the neighborhoods of Crown Heights, Prospect Heights, Fort Greene, Clinton mm. Hill, and a little bit of Bed-Stuy. The five NYCHA developments that we have in our district are Farragut, Ingersoll, Walt Whitman, Lafayette Gardens, and Atlantic Terminal, okay. um, all in the, the northern end of, of the district. Um, I'm a I'm a third generation Brooklynite. Um, I am the daughter and granddaughter of Jamaican immigrants and Honduran immigrants. So I always say I'm a first generation American, third generation Brooklynite, which really just means I'm the first one in my family born here, but my family has settled in Brooklyn for a very long time. Um, and that's you know I'm Brooklyn through and through. So I, I I'm very proud of the fact that I'm born and bred Brooklynite. I'm also the only child of a single mother who has Alzheimer's disease. Mm. which is how I got into public service. You know, I worked in sports marketing for over 10 years in a completely unrelated field. Um, and it was through my caregiving experience for my mother that I saw firsthand just how difficult it is. And, you know, this is a lot of the stuff you were just talking about too, right? Like just getting, getting the things that we need, getting the access to resources, services, um, information, programming, whatever it may be. And the, the systemic failures Yes. that we see time yep. and time again, you know, when we're just trying to get the things that, that, that we need. Um, and so that's what got me into public service. I felt like I wanted to make a difference for other people, other families who might be going through something similar. I wanted to have an impact. And also my mother's diagnosis really changed my perspective on life. Um, mm -hmm. And, it, you know, I wanted to do work that felt more meaningful to me than the work that I had been doing, you know, which felt meaningful to me for a long time. But um, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to serve people. And so I got into public service. I went to work in the city council. I've been in the public advocate's office. So for the last couple of years, I've mm -hmm. really, you know, gained experience in city government. I know how, how, you know, city government works. I, I, I know how and have seen firsthand how bureaucratic it is and can be. Um, and so really excited to, to dig into some of these issues and, and have this conversation with you all today. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm just gonna ask one question and they're going okay. to, we're going to bounce around yeah, yeah. Um, back and forth. So I know with city council, there are committees to that you can serve on. What would be the best committee that you see yourself serving on if possible? I would love to uh, be chair of the land use committee. Okay. But I, I would love to be chair of the land use committee. I would love to be a member of the land use committee if I'm not chair. Um, including, you know, the subcommittees, uh, 
the eight committee on aging is, you know, I mentioned I'm a caregiver for my mother. I think younger people don't talk about seniors enough. Mm-hmm. We need to be doing a lot more for our seniors. Seniors make up 20% of New York City's population and only 1% of the city's budget goes towards seniors. So I want to see that gap close. And I think one way to do that is by serving on uh, the committee of aging. Um, also, you know, education committee, I'd be open to public housing as well. Um, there's so many, you know, so many different committees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to make sure I'm a member of the budget negotiating negotiation team, which is not a committee per se, but finance committee. I would love to be a member of the finance committee. Okay. Um, you know, I think that we need more representation in a lot of these committees that hold real power. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I'm elected, I'd be the first gay black woman ever elected to the city council. Okay. Okay. So, okay. You no, know, I want to be in the room. I want to mm-hmm. be in the room. You know, mm-hmm. where decisions are oftentimes made. Wow. Now, um, I grew up in Lafayette Gardens, so mm-hmm. your candidacy is um, very personal to me. And um, growing up in Brooklyn, in, in Lafayette Gardens, I saw my entire neighborhood uh, transform with the building of the Barclay Center, Metro Tech, um, Atlantic Yards. Meanwhile, Lafayette Gardens and the other housing developments in the district, you know, began to crumble. So what is what is your view on the development um, that's happening in Brooklyn? And um, definitely want to hear your views on that. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. You know, I grew up uh, right behind what's now the Barclay Center. And before I got into public service, one of the questions that I carried with me once I got into public service was, how does an entire community come out against something and it happens anyway? Right. That's exactly what we saw. And you know, we, we came out in opposition to the use of eminent domain to displace black and brown families, black and Puerto Rican families specifically. Um, and so I've seen exactly what you've seen. Like I mentioned, my family has been in the area for three generations. And so over time, we've all seen and experienced firsthand gentrification and displacement. Um, and to your point, also, it's like our people and our communities still don't have what we need. We're still not being invested in, but everybody else is coming in um, and we're seeing all the resources going you know, to the new developments, um, new schools being built that our kids aren't necessarily getting access to. And that's also one of the reasons why, one of the many reasons why uh, I launched a, a Black agenda for New York City. So okay. I don't know, you know, go to my website and check it out, crystalforbk.com slash Black agenda. But you can, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, the Black agenda is all about centering and prioritizing Black people and the Black community, um, which has never been done, right? And I think that local government in particular is uniquely positioned to undo a lot of the racist and anti-Black policies that we have in place. And we need to talk about it. People don't like to talk about race because it's difficult to talk about, but I'm here to talk about it. And I'm here to help people have these conversations that I think are absolutely necessary. And if we don't really start prioritizing Black people, um, then we're never going to have anything that we deserve, you know? And I think, I know that when Black people fare well, all people fare well. Right. And so, but when everybody else fares well, it doesn't always guarantee Black people are faring well. So right. we have to start with Black people. We have to invest in our communities. We have to invest in our children, invest in our schools, our after-school programs, in jobs and real job opportunities, not just job mm-hmm. training programs and then leaving exactly. everybody to figure it out, you know, giving our, us real job opportunities, union job opportunities, yeah. um, and then making sure that as we get older, you know, we can age 
safely at home um, without being forced into nursing homes or other facilities that we've seen are already killing us, right? Through COVID and everything, Um, you know, and making sure that we have truly affordable housing and making sure that we keep our public housing public and that we maintain our public housing stock. Um, But we have to invest in NYCHA. We have to invest in our public housing in a way that we haven't seen, you know, in a very long time. Wow. Yeah. Let me acknowledge a few people in the room. Uh, greetings to Mika Max. Map. Uh, Cynthia Tibbs is in the room. Hey, hey. Uh, on, Lisa M. George, Brenda Temple from Sika. Uh, he has a few people in the room then popped in and out. I think Eleanor Bumpers was in there because it said that she was watching with us. A uh, few comments. So, um, oh, and uh, Kim Tyree's in the building as well. What's going on, Kim? Yeah, so some of our regulars and, you know, thank you all for watching and supporting um, us. Mike, you want to shoot a question before we go to some more rounds of questions? Anything you want to ask, Crystal? Well, um, you said that you've been doing this since your mom, you said, was going through Sorry, I'm, I, okay, go ahead. you're mm-hmm. coming in a little bit low for me, you but you said... Yeah. Stay there. I said, you said you've been doing this as long as your um, you said your mom's was doing her that had autism, right? Alzheimer's, yeah. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Um, did she she ain't receive any sort of help or anything? I mean, you know, we've done a lot on our own because there isn't help, right? My my mom spent over forty years as a nurse. Um, Mm. thirty of those years she spent at Harlem Hospital caring for New Yorkers. And it felt like when it was time for her to receive care, there was none for her. And mm-hmm. I think that for me is, I mean, that that's why I'm running. That's why I got into public service. I want to make government more accessible to more people. It's mm-hmm. not working for us. We've seen, you know, like I said, just what you were talking about at the top of the show, you know, the issues with like putting in a ticket, nobody coming to repair the issue, yeah. um, nobody even addressing the issue. You have people with dozens of tickets, you know, in the system and nobody is coming to fix the problem. And we are expected to continue just living, you know, it, with hazardous conditions or yeah. mold and lead and like all mm-hmm. of those things. And it's the same thing everywhere you look. It's not just in our public housing stock, but it's also, you know, we've seen with the pandemic, right? I think the most recent example I can provide is the vaccine rollout. Yeah. We saw our communities mm-hmm. were, mo- were disproportionately impacted by right. COVID. And then we were under vaccinated. You had the That's upper right. west side and the upper east side vaccinated at rates like 15%, and black and brown communities in central Brooklyn and in Queens and the South Bronx vaccinated at 5% or yeah. lower. And like, wh- why is that? You know, it's because yeah. we have these systemic issues that always put us down and do not put us first and don't invest in us and don't start with us, don't think about us. And so that's what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to change is to make government actually work for most of us and to work for those of us who are most marginalized, those of us who have the greatest needs. Um, You know, there's no reason why we should have, you know, 80,000 people plus sleeping in the shelter system. Oh, yeah. Oh, talk about it. You know what I mean? So and, and, and we can be doing better. We can do better. But I think we just haven't had you know, the people in place to, to get us there. So. Wow. I recently had a guest who stated that he was in a um, 
on the shoulder for 11 years. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a long time. Alfonso. Yeah. It seems like nobody's getting nobody's trying to get or for whatever they doing to treat us like this. They keep yeah. they keep us in the system. Right. It's money. Money, right? Yeah, it's money. Three thousand dollars per money. person. So yeah, it's a it's an incentive yeah. for you not to come out to shelter. Money. They they're making money off of us being in the shelter. Right. Yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. So, what's so. your uh what's your take on, you know, I'm an activist and an organizer, I'm, you know, involved in, you know, Black Lives Matter on the Up East Side. You're welcome to come out and, and visit us. Um, you know, um, we're at Carl Shoots Park on uh, 86 and East End every night since uh, June 2nd. But um, we're big on, as well as others, abolishing qualified immunity. What is your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm all for that. I think, you know, I think it has to be done through negotiations with the union. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm all for the elimination of, of qualified immunity. I also want to see the CCRB strengthened so they could yes. actually hold, you know, officers accountable. I have yep. I have this idea that um, is not particularly popular because people don't ever really want to touch, you know, pension funds and things like that. <laughs> but I think if we talk about, you know, the settlement cases that come through. Every year, there was, I think the New York Times did an article a few months ago towards the end of 2020 about how much money New York City spends um, on settlements. Settlements yes. with the NYPD. It's like something like $500 million, right? Bless. Um, imagine if that money was coming out of the, the police pension fund. Exactly. Right. I think that would change their behavior real quick. Automatic. Absolutely. Automatically. All they of a can't sudden, get their houses and cars and pay for their, you know, their car notes and their mortgage. And oh yes, definitely. So I think I think you know we have to think about how do we actually create because so many people. I mean, the way white supremacy and racism hmm. and all those systems work, right? People, people benefit. White people benefit from those systems. So and until we get to the place where people can really understand the need for dismantling those systems mm-hmm. and where they get to a place where they're willing to give up the power that they have been given generation after generation after generation. Right. Um, you know, I think we just have to, we have to perhaps provide some sort of, you know, disincentive for particular behavior. Yeah. And so that is, you know, if you get into a police involved shooting or you are stopping and frisking somebody unnecessarily um, or, you know, the list goes on and on. If you're engaging in that type of behavior and you're not valuing the lives of your, you know, neighbors and, and community members, then and there's a settlement, then that settlement should should that money should come out of you know, the, the pension fund. Why, yeah. why, should, why should New York City taxpayers exactly. pay, pay into- The mistakes um, somebody made. Yep. Yeah. Or, yeah. Tra- yeah, or transgressions. Some right. of them are not yeah, mistakes, actually, right? Maybe the so, crime. No, see, right, yeah, some of them are crimes, right? The yeah. crime that uh, somebody yeah. created, they're committed. Yep. Facts. Yeah, yeah. I actually come from NYPD. I used to supervise payroll, medically retired. And it's, it's, I'm glad that you hit on the CCRB because we actually, for our um, forum for tomorrow night with the community board, our PowerPoint presentation that's already created, we're touching on CCRB, CCRB on how to strengthen it because it is weak. And there was an article that came out the other day and they're saying that the CCRB can't do the investigations effectively because they're not getting, they're not, be, they're not being told by NYPD 
uh, where these particular people were during these, the protests, you know, m- m- all the yeah. kettling and all the stuff they were doing, uh, abusing citizens, uh, exercising their First Amendment right. They're telling, they, they're telling CCRB they do not know where these officers were at because of, you know, how they were sent out. That is a bold lie. There's, you know, they have command logs. I work that agency. There's command logs. There's a whole lot of command uh, accountability. There's a roll call. You know, there's a unit that, you know, the borough gets copies of these details. And for them to sit up there and say that and lie to CCRB is unheard of. So we're going to be discussing that tomorrow. But I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So I got a question. I got, I guess, a two-part question. Um, I always ask every candidate this morning, um, are you receiving any funds uh, for many of these private developers? Um, that's the first question. And uh, also, how do you think Robert Carnegie did in this, in, this, in this seat? And how would you be different? So I'm, I'm running, actually, Lori Cumbo, Cumbo is the incumbent. I'm not okay. running in Robert Carnegie's seat. All right. Um, but no, I'm not taking money from any real estate interests, police unions. I have a pledge, actually, uh, or a list of my principles on my website um, as well, which is also like, you know, we're, we're running a campaign that is, is built on love and respect for, for other people. Um, we're building a campaign that, that has integrity and humility um, and that is rooted in positivity. Um, and so all of those things, you know, mean that I'm not taking money from real estate developers. I'm not taking money from um, police unions or, or other sort of interests. Um, I'm taking money from the people, right? And, and right. The, the way that people have shown so much support for this campaign is by investing in us, by investing in themselves, really in, investing in our community. That's what campaign donations are. They're not... Um, you know, giving me cash. It's investing right. in the community, investing in the future of our community and the type of leadership that we want to see and that we know we deserve. Um, and then in terms of the incumbent, Lori Cumbo, I worked for Lori. Um, mm-hmm. okay. when, I first, when I first got into public service, I went to work for Lori. I wanted to work, you know, like I said, on behalf of my local community. Um, and so I thought, what better way than to do that, um, you know, by, by working in my council member's office, um, and, you know, I think that Lori has done um, a lot of a lot of really good things for the community, particularly in terms of like the arts and stuff like that. And I think, you know, there have also been some bad decisions that have been made. I think the Bedford Union Armory was one of those, um, you know, where for me, I believe that public property should remain in the public's hands. That's right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that was that was something and, and, and I see that project as something that's not so different from um, from the Barclays Center right. and Atlantic Yards. And, um, you know, and so I think um, for me, what's most important is centering community, is bringing community to the table, is making sure that community not just has a voice, but is actually involved in the decision making process. Um, and so, you know, I think that's where I would do things differently. I also have, um, you know, a pretty, I would say like broad, robust um, vision for how to engage community, how to engage, you know, my community members. I wanna have regular meetings where everything is laid out on the table, where I can say, here are the development projects, Here's the uh, the pieces of legislation I'm expected to vote on. Okay. Here's, you know, here's 
all of the different issues. Here's where I'm thinking about um, allocating funds to, you know, where everybody can come in and all stakeholders. Um, so I want, you know, union members, community activists, civic organizations, community-based organizations, um, you know, students, young kids, you know, like everybody, everybody. at the table, seniors, yeah. you know, to say, you know, what, they, what they're to, to voice their opinions and so that we can make decisions um, together and collectively. Right, so now let me ask another question. Why do you think, um, what, what is the problem with building affordable housing? Why, why does Brooklyn have such a lack of affordable housing? What, what could you do as a city council person to, to change that? There are a lot of reasons why um, we don't have any affordable housing. I think the mayor's uh, you know, housing plan was a terrible one. When you, when you put out a plan that basically says um, only 20% of the city will actually be affordable, but 80% of the city is going to be you know, essentially for the wealthy, right? And then that 20% is not even actually affordable. Right. That 20% is a farce. You know, It's saying that it's affordable, but we know that the people with the greatest needs are within the zero to 30% or even up to 50 and 80% uh, area median income yes. bracket, yes. right? But then you're building for people at 100, 120% AMI. Um, and so then nothing is affordable. I think mm. another problem is that nobody wants to build anything on their block. You know, we always mm. say, every, everybody knows we have a housing crisis. Everybody knows we need to build housing. But then when you say, here's a project that could be 100% affordable and we're going to put it on your block, everybody's like, oh, well, hold on a minute. Well, you know, let's, let's talk about that, right? right. Like, you know, we don't want to build that. I don't want it to be on my block. It's going, to, it's going to ruin the character of my neighborhood, you know, which is code for saying you're going to let too many black and brown folks in my neighborhood. Right, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, there, there are a number of reasons why we don't have affordable housing. I think we need to elect people who have the political will and courage um, to say no to the things that need to be said no to and to say yes to the things that need to be said yes to. And, you know, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's just a, cu a couple of things. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of reasons why, you know, we don't have affordable housing, but I'll leave it, I'll leave it there. Okay. We're going to have our intern ask the question. Yes. Huh. Okay. <laughs> um, do you think the, the way affordable housing does their lottery system mm. uh, correct? Because I just saw an article from my class about privatization, and you guys have been talking about it. And um, that's one of the questions I'm going to ask in my class this week, actually, about it. Like, is you know, is this a, still a correct way to do it? Because you know, I know people too who are putting for housing, and you know, it seems like you wait forever. Or I, I just built out something. Thousand quite, yeah, quite literally forever. Yeah, the housing lottery system. I mean, I think to be honest with you, I think it's 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 working exactly as it was designed to work, which is not for any of us, um, and it's not for the people with the greatest need, like I said. And so, you know, I think it needs it needs we definitely need a new system. Um, you know, there this the city, uh, the publication, the city did a really great piece yeah, on um, the housing lottery system and how literally uh, it's. The, the people who shouldn't be, you know, win, winning the lottery continue to win the lottery time and time again. And those, like I said, the people with the greatest need, the people who are living, you know, 
two, three families in, in one apartment because they have nowhere else to go, um, can't get an apartment. And that shouldn't be the case. Those are the people that should be prioritized, not the people who can afford to pay 100%, 120% area median income. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, the, all these systems though are working exactly as they were designed to work. Talk about it, yep. That's again right. why I wrote this Black Agenda. It's a 35-page policy platform that talks about from everything from education to housing to criminal justice um, to healthcare, all the ways in which we should and can be investing in Black people. And that includes dismantling so many of the systems that are currently you know, our status quo. It's, it's, it's what we've always done and what we, we've always known. And I think we have to shake things up and be really radical in what we ask for, what we demand. Um, and, you know, yeah, I think uh, ultimately for me, listen, I always say like, I'm unapologetically pro-Black, pro-queer, pro-justice, right? So I'm okay. Okay. always going okay. to talk about Black people. And uh -huh. that's just, for me, that is what it comes down to, is none of these systems were designed to lift us up. They right. were all designed to hold us down, put, you yes. know, put us down and hold us back. Um, and so, you know, when you're talking about a housing lottery system that was not designed by us, right? It wasn't designed by us. And so, it, you know, for us, by us, that's, that's, Fubu. you know, right. Right. LL right. slipped that in with gap, right? <laughs> for us, by us. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about uh, ranked choice voting? Because I know that's new. A lot of people are not familiar with it. As a candidate, how do you feel about it? And, you know, yeah, just basically that, because I can't, well, you are a voter, right? So, but still you're a candidate. So do you see it working for you, against you, or, your, you know, what's your thoughts well, on ranked choice ranked voting? Ranked choice voting has been proven to uh, work to the advantage of people who are not considered traditional candidates, which I'm not, right? Unless you're like an older, wealthy, straight white man, you're considered a non-traditional candidate. And so uh, ranked choice voting, you know, has, has been used in other municipalities for a very long time, um, where people who look like me have been, you know, elected as representatives. And so I'm excited about ranked choice voting. Mm -hmm. I think ranked choice voting, um, you know, will hopefully work to my benefit. I think there's also an element of, um, it's supposed to add an element of like, you know, it's supposed to eliminate like negative campaigning. And it's supposed to encourage you because if you're, you know, for me as a candidate, as an example, right? If I know that people can rank me first, second, third, fourth or fifth place, I'm talking to every, voter and mm -hmm. i'm not when somebody says that they're selecting maybe another candidate as their number one choice i'm not going to tell them all the reasons why they shouldn't select that person as their number one choice i'm going to tell them all the reasons why then they should put me as their number two choice right right or their, or their number three choice and so you know and like i said my campaign is rooted in love we're rooted in positivity we're rooted in respect for other people and, you know, quite honestly, that's just not what I have seen or received from other folks in my race. And so, you know, I'm not here to talk negatively about any other candidates. I'm here to talk positively about my own candidacy and what I'm bringing to the table and why I think I'll make the best council member for the 35th district. 
Awesome, awesome. Yeah, because I know it's you can you can yeah, uh, rank, right? yeah you can rank up to five, but also what happens if people because some people don't want to you know do the ranking, so they'll just go with their number one. So is that problematic? I mean, because that's a choice. You can vote, yeah. you know rank five or one. Or yeah, you three can or rank four. all five people, or you can rank one person, you can rank three Two. people, yeah. whatever you want to do, you know, I think the idea is that we're increasing, you know, democracy, and we're giving people choices, so you no longer have to feel like you're choosing the lesser of two evils, like, ah, I really don't like this one, so I'm just going to have to go with that one, but I really don't like them either, you know, this is an opportunity for you to say, listen, there are, like, in my race, there are nine candidates, okay, mm. You can pick five. That's basically half of the candidates. So you say, you know, this is the person I, uh, somebody said it in one of, we did, um, uh, we've done a couple of ranked choice voting trainings. Okay. And so somebody said it, you're going from stand to stand. So mm. you, your number one is the person you stand for. And then your number five is the person you can stand. You're at the top, so you're right, good. That's the idea is that you can pick up to five people. So if you have if you have nine people to choose from and you already know like these two or three people are really like I would never want them to be my representative, you don't have to rank them. Right. And, and of the ones remaining, you can say, all right. Let me pick my top five. So I know that even if I end up with the fourth person or the fifth person that I selected, at least I selected them as my fourth or fifth, you know? And so I think it just gives voters um, a much larger say in, in their repre representation. Okay. And last one more question. I'm sorry, saying I'm jumping into stuff. Right. Right. Go ahead, go ahead. What is your educational background, Max? So I, uh, I went to Spelman College for my undergraduate degree, and then I went to George Washington University for graduate school where I studied sports marketing, sports management. Um, and like I said, then I you know, had a career in, in sports marketing and sports management for a long time. Um, so, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I can uh, kind of tell by your platform. Let me, let me ask, um, what's your view on defunding the police? Are you in favor of defunding the police? Or are you in favor of that term? Or how, how would you describe that, your, your policy when it comes to, to that? Yeah, I'm, I'm all for defunding the NYPD. You know, and this is what we were saying earlier is that we need to invest in our communities. We need to invest in our youth. Um, there are many other ways that we could be using our money, taxpayer money, other than, you know, investing in, in the police. The police have boundless resources um, and our communities do not. And so it's time that we change that. We need to reallocate those funds, pull them from the NYPD um, and real like meaningful funds, right? Not just a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there. Hmm. Um, we're talking about billions of dollars, at least $1 billion, um, you know, that then we're investing in our communities. Last year at the start of the pandemic, the first program the mayor talked about cutting was the summer youth employment program mm, yeah. that, that's like pretty much exclusively black and brown yes. young yes. people who need jobs and who, first job. they, they <laughs> first job and whose families rely on them having yeah. those jobs summer after summer and that should never have been the first place that he looked to cut money from that should have been the last place he looked to right. cut money from um and so you know, we cannot continue to invest in these 
you know, racist, punitive, carceral systems that just mm -hmm. lock up for, for, you know, in many cases for nothing, um, when we're not really investing in, I mean, even with like the pandemic and thinking about PPE and our public hospitals, Elmhurst Hospital in Queens, we saw time and time again, how they didn't have PPE. Yeah. You know, they didn't have the resources they needed. Those doctors and nurses and, and everybody working in that hospital was working overtime. Um, you know, the line was wrapped around the hospital for people to get into the hospital, like sick people. There's no reason why that should be the case. And then you have the police force out here with all kinds of helmets, bikes, pads, oh, vests, yeah. like, you know, branded everything, batons, like, you know, there's just going no, to war. they should be yeah. resourced and our hospitals are under resourced. There's just no reason why that should be the case. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about re reallocating those funds. Awesome. That's good. first job was um, summer youth. Yeah. And if I didn't go to summer youth, I probably wouldn't be encouraged or determined the way I am right now to speak on it. Exactly. I always, since I was 14 years old, I always try to find a job. I mean, as soon as I hit 14, I mm -hmm. went and got my working papers. Yeah, I did it too. I did it for two summers, and my sister was hoping my nephew would have got it last year, but you mm -hmm. know, but I did it once, one time. I think I was either fourteen or fifteen, but yeah, so. I've done it quite a bit myself. <laughs> yeah. It's how we how we get it started. Yeah, yeah. You know? Look at all of you now, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. Thank goodness for some of you. Yeah. I know um, in Bed-Stuy, the 88th precinct uh, when I was a kid was known for a lot of police brutality, and I know they um. I think the Black Lives Matter stormed the 88 piece and, you know, doing one of, um, one of that, doing that turbulence. Uh, yep. So what are your thoughts on, on police brutality? You know, as I know in Best-Stuy historically, that's been an issue for myself as a kid growing up. I've seen it all my life. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's what we were talking about before. We need to hold police officers accountable. I mean, police brutality should never be, you know, that, that should never occur. Um, you know, and you know, I say this all the time too, like we know what keeps us safe. Our communities are what keep us safe. It's an education that keeps us safe. It's access to quality healthcare that keeps us safe. You know, it's jobs that keep us safe. It's safe housing, secure housing, affordable housing that keeps us safe. It's not the police that keep us safe. The police come in. If you really think about it, the police come in once right. the incident has occurred. Yep. Right. Even, if, yep. even if we're talking about violent crime, yes. right? the police come in once that violent crime has already occurred. Yep. That and murder, so, that murder, yeah, that murder, that rape, yeah, yeah that assault, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and usually it's our communities that help prevent, you know, those things from happening. When you're, mm -hmm. when you've got people who know who you are, you know, your neighbors know you, uh, you're looking out for one another, you see somebody doing wrong and you calling them out and you're saying, you know, stop that. You're holding people accountable. Um, or you're also giving people the resources that they need so that they don't feel like they have no other choice but to do X, Y, or Z, right? Like they have a job, they have money coming in, they could put food on the table. Um, those are the things that we should be investing in. And, and, and again, like those are the things that keep us safe and it's us that keeps us safe. And so police brutality, there's just no, there's, there's no excuse for police brutality. Exactly. Because we actually need more community police instead of the traditional police. I mean, yeah. they seem to be more interested in being, well, doing re reactive policemen. 
instead of doing it proactive right that's what we actually need so you're talking of, about like a safety patrol of the community I mean, community I mean, safety your violence model right exactly I'm sure you're all familiar with you know and like those organizations are the organizations they have been proven to keep communities safe they've been proven to get guns off the street and yet we're not investing in them at the at the way the rates that we should be investing in them we keep investing in the nypd but these are like peace officers you know right. these, yeah known people in the community who 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 like i said have been proven to pull guns off the street they quell you know beefs they go up to people they're like listen i heard you about to you know go holler at this one or that one or whatever like let's talk mm -hmm. about it um you know they, they have social workers they have jobs like all that stuff and they come into these communities and they talk to people and they know the people that they're talking to that's the problem too is that so right. many of our officers they don't know any of the people that they're interacting yeah. with yeah Grow growing up we knew the neighborhood police officers you know we had one in uh, mckinley houses that's where i grew up at and it was terry with a jerry curl if any mckinley people are watching they will remember and terry will walk through and i don't know if terry had somebody up in one of the buildings but terry would walk through and you know he was respected and at the end of the day if anybody would have came after him the community would have backed him and helped right. him and right. that's that's what it's always like and I, I know what you're saying who keeps us safe we keep us safe right that's Absolutely. the chant we always say Absolutely. we have a question uh from the chat uh what are your thoughts on mayoral control over education and that's from kim tyree great question kim yeah that is a great question um i think we need uh control from the community right so like parents need to be involved i think students need to be involved um and i think we need you know, less mayoral control in the way that it has already, um, the way that it that exists currently or today. Yeah. What are your thoughts about um, kids going back to school during this uh, pandemic? I think we need to create school buildings that are as safe and, you know, secure as, as possible. Um, and we also need to make sure that we are providing, like I said, it's, it's all about resources and money and programs and all of that. And one thing I'll tell you is like, whenever they say there's, there's not enough money or there's no more money left, there's always more money. So don't ever, yeah, don't, ever don't ever believe that. Cause they'll find it for the things that they want. Um, but, but never for the things that we need. Um, and so, you know, for the school system, I think we need to make sure kids have access to every single resource they need. There should be yeah. nurses and mental health professionals and social workers in every single school. And we know we are far from, from that, um, you know? And so I think we need to get to a place where kids feel and, and parents feel safe sending their kids back to school where teachers and principals and school administrators and all the school workers in the building all feel safe to be in the school. And I feel like there's been so much misinformation that it's been hard for people to really feel um, safe or that they can trust the information that they're being fed. And so I think we need to get to the place where um, we're, we're able to create you know, safe environments in, in each of our school buildings. And I think for the parents or families who don't feel comfortable sending their kids back then we're making sure that they have the resources they need. They have the, the devices and you know access to the, um, the schoolwork and everything that they need. And if that means that they need you know daycare or childcare, mm -hmm. um, 
so that parents can actually go to work and they don't have to worry about, you know, leaving their kid at home alone to go to remote school. I think that's been a huge problem too, is that, you know, kids who might be at home, who might be a little bit older, maybe they have younger siblings, they're left to do many different things, including caring for their siblings um, and, you know, and, and getting themselves to remote school because their parent has to go to work and maybe that's a single parent. Um, and so we have to make sure that each and every one of our parents has exactly what it is they need so that their kid can continue to get the education that they deserve. Wow. Yeah, you're right. So right. Uh, what is your thoughts on the, you know, the, the new jails, right? The billions of dollars yeah. uh, towards new jails when public housing is crumbling and we have a homeless crisis and, you know, building jails, can we build, shouldn't we be building more affordable housing? But what is your thoughts on, on the, what is it? I know at one time it was 8 billion, it might be 11 billion now, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I don't remember the exact um, monetary amount, but mm -hmm. I've, I've always been against building the new jails. I think we do need to close Rikers. Um, I don't think we need to build new jails. I think we need to really think about the type of justice system we want to have um, and, and what justice really truly means because the criminal justice system that we know is not, does, does not bring justice to so many of us. Um, right. you know, and so I think we need to really think about the type of justice system you know we want and we need i think you know for me that means we're thinking about restorative justice and we're mm -hmm. thinking about supporting people and surrounding people with the support that they need mm -hmm. um you know we know i mean and i've been told this by by people you know in prison who have said to me you know nobody wakes up or i didn't wake up and just say like let me go commit a crime today right right, right. because all these circumstances mm -hmm. um Poverty, right? A lot of yeah, right. yeah. Right. yeah, all of that. That then I end up in a situation where I have no choice right. to do this thing or to do that thing, or I got into trouble or whatever. And so, you know, I think we need we 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 always talk about the end result, right. but we rarely talk about the root cause or the root problem. Right. No so we need measures. we need to start talking about why at the end of somebody's you know rope do they commit this crime or do they do this thing or do that thing? We need to talk about all the way over here, what are all of the things that led them to this point? You know, are their schools fully resourced? You know, do they have computer labs? Do they have air conditioning to learn in in the summertime? You know, do their teachers look like them? And are they living in, you know, safe, secure, affordable housing that their family can remain in? Right. Um, are they being pushed out? Are they being evicted year after year? Are they moving? Right. You know, uh, what are the, the environmental conditions that they're right. exposed to? Are they living under a highway? Um, you know, or do they have asthma? You know, right. all of these things, everything has, you know, there's a cause and, a, and an effect. Exactly. And so we're not rooting out the causes um, and just talking about the end effect, then we're not really getting to the issues uh, that that our communities face, you know, day in and day out. Right. What is your thoughts on, because uh, I know like some 
well, I'm going into the state prisons. Uh, they did have colleges. They are bringing. They brought them back somewhat, so people yep. were able to get educated, get college degrees. Yep. Um, you have some inmates inside that are actually smarter than the COs. Up and down, you know, they write their yep. um, grievances. You know, they they represent. You know, I mean, pretty much like for life. But you know, there's people that really it that really happens. Maybe not becoming a lawyer. So even on a lower level, like so, city jails if they're there being held and say someone needs a G GED, uh, do you, cause I know my sister-in-law used to teach um, in the system a little bit as well. Um, but what do you think about education for them? Cause I mean, they, they learn a trade when they go upstate, they're building furniture. If people are, are not familiar with core craft, they're building furniture, making sanitizer, making scrubs, doing all of these things. And when they come home, they can't take that, skill right that they've learned because they just don't make license plates in there people think they do but they don't um they can't take that skill set and get a job but they should be able to do that as well so this might be a two-part question but you know the skill set how could we see that that's you know acknowledged and as well as letting them get educated in there from you know college as well not just a ged yeah i mean i'm all for all of those opportunities. Um, you know, one of the, the prison that I visited when I was working in the public advocate's office was Eastern Correctional Facility. And I, I visited um, a room full of students who were uh, students at Bard Prison Initiative and mm -hmm. you know, getting their degrees. And that is a program I'm a huge uh, proponent of and advocate for um, and believer in. And I think that, you know, everybody should have access to education um, and educational opportunities and also job opportunities, you know, to your second point, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things I talk about a lot and one of the ideas that I have is to create a real pipeline, um, you know, of jobs in city government. I think, again, like city government is uniquely positioned to eradicate a lot of the issues that we keep talking about and, and the issues that are so prevalent in our communities. Um, you know, we should, government should be giving people who have some of the greatest barriers to employment job opportunities. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think those should also be union jobs. Black and brown people benefit the most from union jobs and, and really in particular, Black and brown women um, have the most to, to gain from being union members. And so, you know, one of the things I would love to see happen is uh, creating a, a real pipeline in city government that uh, creates those opportunities, those employment opportunities for people like those who've been formerly incarcerated, black trans women, like the people mm -hmm. who just cannot get a job for a number of reasons right. um, and who people don't want to hire for a number of reasons. Those are the people that city government should be bringing into the fold. Okay. Now, you mentioned the, uh, the school to prison pipeline. Are you for charter schools um, or public schools? What's your thought on charter schools? You know, I don't believe that I am in a position to tell parents where they should send their 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 kids, um, and so you know I think if our if our school system was educating our kids, uh, I shouldn't say educating our kids. If our school system had the full resources um, that it it should have, then I think you would probably see fewer parents going to the charter school system. Um, and so, 
you know, and I think we need to make our, our, our public school system whole. We need to make sure that all of our kids, particularly our kids of color, have access to a quality education. Um, and like I said before, that there's that there's school buildings and school environments are safe and clean and free from hazards, that they have air conditioning in the summer, that they have computer labs, you know, that they have textbooks. Yeah. There's so many, you know, we right, like we already know these stories that there are schools that are that are under-resourced, underfunded. Um, no textbooks, copies, no yes. copies computer of- labs, you know, in black and brown communities only. And you go into white neighborhoods and they have two computer labs and the fanciest this and the best that and, you know, extra textbooks and, you know, and, and that just shouldn't be the case. And so, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not here to tell people, you know, what they should do with their kids. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think we need to invest in our school system so that, you know, all of our kids should, could be, and should be, you know, educated in our public school system without, worry or concern well that's a follow-up question now so do you support a cap on the charter schools i'm putting the cap on them are you supportive of that um yeah i think i i think i need to to look into that a little bit more before i commit um but yeah okay all right all right all right right. okay so we are at our hour a little bit. So we want to first and foremost, thank you for coming on and joining us. Um, Are you on Facebook? I am. Yes. Crystal. Okay. Okay. If you can go into our page and if you can answer some of the questions to the people in the public, because I couldn't, you know, pull everything and, uh, you know, engage with them on that, that would be great. Um, so once again, thank you for coming on the show and also how can we, or people that are listening, donate to your campaign, uh, can you share your website and I'll drop that in the, to the chat and everything later and we'll show it again. Cause we didn't get to show it today. Yeah. So my, my website is crystal4bk.com, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-F-O-R-B-K.com. Um, I'm actually good on fundraising for now we've we've received the maximum amount of matching funds which is something give us some give us some i'm really proud proud that we were one of only 14 campaigns across the city to receive the maximum amount of matching funds at the earliest point possible Um, but we could always use volunteers and people who you know are are willing to give some of their time um we have phone banks text banks um, you know, we go out canvassing in the community, socially distanced and, and safe, of course. Um, but there's a button on the top right of the page that says take action. So you can click on that. You can sign up to receive our emails. You can sign up to volunteer with our campaign. You don't have to live in the district or even in New York to volunteer with us. Um, you know, so everybody, everybody and anybody could volunteer with us. And, and that's where we need uh, the most support. Okay. Well, thanks again, once again, for coming on. We appreciate having you. It was a great dialogue. Uh, I'll be engaging with you and just let us know after the June, what is it? When is the primary June 22nd? Yes. Okay. So after that, and you get in, you know, you become, you're welcome to come back on the show and and give us some updates on how your campaign is going. We'll love to bring you on again. Yeah. Look forward to that. 
Not only we love you, I see everybody in the comments loved you as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you just, like I said, if you can engage with the people, that would be great. So once again, thank you. And um, we'll definitely be in touch. We, you know, we have a connection, a line of connection, and we will share your video on our platforms um, since we didn't air it during the show today. So, um, but I do have it. I just didn't get everything uploaded like we needed to. Uh, so I apologize for that, but we will be sharing it on the page. I'll make sure it goes out a few, a few times on our page and our platforms, Thank uh, you. you know, so people could see it because your video is phenomenal. Um, it was, you know, it was touching. It was real, you know, and um, like I said, I, when I, when I discovered you, <laughs> it was just like, oh, wow, we got to bring her on one night. I'm sorry. My voice is getting a little crackly. Uh, we had to bring you on one night. So thank you for coming on our platform. And we're glad that we were able to, um, you know, just dialogue with you and yeah, one night your followers can get to know you. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. The conversation was great. I look forward to another one after June 22nd. Sure. Okay. That's right. As, as the, the Democrat nominee, right? Yes, yes, there you go. Yes, you got this once again. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Take the musical. So, um, so next week, um, we do have a guest coming on. Let me just pull up my calendar to let you know who she is. Offhand, she's a city council candidate in Queens. I do recall that um, Stan connected us with her. Uh, can't find her name right now. Anyway, but we do have a city council candidate coming on next week. Um, from, I believe it's in Queens, one of the districts. So she'll be on and um, the Homes Isis Coalition will be hosting uh, our District 5 candidate forum on Wednesday from six to eight. So looking forward to that. And um, wanna say any closing remarks, Stan, before we go? Um, I would just say, be sure to come out and support the rally Tuesday yeah. at um, 11 o'clock. I believe it's at 90 Church Street, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And uh, come on out, because whether you live in Nice or not, there's a fight oh, for yeah. all of us. So our allies. Support all our allies, all yeah. our friends. Seeker will be there, because yep, they yep. definitely said they were coming out. They were emailing me and everything. So, yeah. We got to show our power. There's yeah. strength, strength in numbers. We got to yeah. show our power. Organizers and um, activists and our allies. So, yeah. So we're about to lift off. All right. One night to one people. One night to one, right. one, one people. Good we job, out. Mike. Good job, Mike, on the boards. All we right. out. All right. Now you can give us the beat. <laughs>